Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 9, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. As for yourselves, beware, he's Jesus speaking to his disciples, for they will hand you over to councils, you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them. And the good news must first be proclaimed to all nations. When they bring you to trial and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you at that time. For it's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you'll be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the desolating sacrilege set up where it ought not to be, let the reader understand, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one on the housetop must not go down or enter the house or take anything away. The one in the field must not turn back or get a coat. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not be winter. For in those days there will be suffering such as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now. No, and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, whom He chose, He has cut short those days. And if anyone says to you at that time, Look, here's the Messiah, or look, there He is, don't believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will appear and produce signs and omens to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be alert. I've already told you everything. In those kinds of climates of persecution, of violence, conflict, it is natural to panic. Of course it is. And Jesus recognizes that. So instead of looking back to better days, or looking ahead past the darkness into what's going to be, Jesus decides to look right into that darkness and says, let's talk about in a world in which everything is spinning out of control, in which the worst is happening, what does it look like to be Christians? What does it look like to be followers of Jesus in that space? And that's really what this whole passage we read is about. And so Jesus, in his apocalyptic prophecies of the future in these verses, what he's trying to do, I think, is to inoculate his disciples against the perils that come with panicking. Panic is a terrible master. It's a good instinct, but a terrible master. And so Jesus does that. He inoculates them, I think, at least he tries, by giving them four tasks. When you find yourself in the darkest of times, when the world is spinning out of control, when it feels like you are very unsafe and very exposed, when it's hard to sleep, when you, lock, you check your doors and whether or not they're locked in extra time, when you're living in that space, Jesus gives us four things to busy ourselves with. Four kingdom tasks that we must never stop doing. The four we're going to talk about are based on these words. Proclaim, persevere, providence, and patience. Proclaim, persevere, providence, and patience. We're going to start with proclaim. Look at verse chapter 13, beginning in verse 9 again. As for you yourselves, speaking to his disciples, beware, for they will hand you over to councils, and you'll be beaten in synagogues. You'll stand before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them. And the good news must first be proclaimed to all nations. When they bring you to trial, hand you over, don't worry beforehand about what you're to say, but say whatever is given you at that time, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now, all of those prophecies of persecution prove true in the lives of the disciples. Jesus absolutely predicted their future. If we want to hear the stories, we just need to read the book of Acts. All the things Jesus predicted would happen, did happen to these disciples. Many of them 
recorded for us in Acts, and I'm sure many that aren't. What were they to do? They were going to be persecuted, put on trial. Some of them were martyred for their faith. Jesus tells them, the good news must be proclaimed to all nations. You are to proclaim the good news. No matter what happens to you, no matter how much you suffer, no matter how vulnerable you are, you must keep yourself busy proclaiming the good news. Jesus is trying to help His disciples to understand that the worst can absolutely happen. And if it does, we are not here to preserve our lives. We're not here to carve out a pocket of justice and safety for our families. We're not even here to bring peace to the earth. Jesus' apocalyptic prophecies remind us that we are here, as His apostles were, to proclaim the good news that God's kingdom has arrived in Jesus. And we are to do that with our words and with our deeds so long as we draw breath. Do not panic. Proclaim the gospel. And second, do not panic. Persevere. Look at verse 12. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you'll be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Again, the book of Acts chronicles some of the upheaval that Jesus and his apostles caused within Judaism and within the families of people who came to Christ. And they were just as violent as Jesus described. And we couldn't imagine anything worse, right? Our homes being turned upside down. So first you tell us that the Romans are going to come in and destroy the temple. Then you tell us that the Jewish people, our own people, our community is going to turn on us and they're going to persecute us. And now you're telling us that in our own homes we're going to get ripped to pieces. But we recognize, those of us who have really followed Jesus, that even following Him today remains intimately divisive around the world. And it's becoming increasingly so here at home, as the ethics and values of our culture reflect less and less the ethics and values of the prophets and apostles of Jesus. But Jesus' exhortation is not to turn back, or to run away, or to take up arms. He says, keep following, keep obeying, Keep proclaiming. In short, persevere. Your faithfulness is what He asks of you. And Jesus promised His disciples, and I believe He promises us, for those who persevere, we will be saved. We will be rescued. We will be delivered. It's only those who shrink and turn back that will perish. But, of course, we have to recognize that some of the disciples were killed for their faith in Jesus. Others suffered persecution. Others died of natural causes, never seeing all the fulfillment of the promises that Jesus made to them. And yet Jesus promised each one of them that they would be saved. And this reminds us that the salvation Jesus promises is not salvation from suffering. It's not salvation from dying. It's not salvation from persecution. It's salvation from the permanence of death itself. Hebrews tells us, that it, the book of Hebrews, that it was for the joy set before Him that Jesus endured the cross. And it's for the joy set before us that we can continue in faithfulness during the darkest hours of our lives. These are the spaces in which our belief and our trust in God is tested. 
Do we believe in the way of Jesus? We'll find out when it's not easy to walk it. Paul uses the illustration in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 of running a race. These are his words. Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. We're not here to preserve our lives. We are not here to carve out a pocket of justice and safety for our families. We are not here to bring peace to the earth, nor even to our families. Jesus' apocalyptic prophecies remind us that we are here, as His apostles were, to proclaim the good news that God's kingdom has arrived in Jesus and to do that with our words and with our deeds so long as we draw breath. And we are here to proclaim it and to persevere in our faithfulness, no matter our circumstances, no matter our world, no matter our culture, no matter our leadership, no matter our laws, no matter our safety. Do not panic. Proclaim the gospel. Do not panic. Persevere in your faithfulness. And third, do not panic. Trust God's providence. Look at verse 14. But when you see the desolating sacrilege set up where it ought not to be, that's a quotation from the book of Daniel, then those in Judea should flee to the mountains, he says. The one on the housetop must not go down or enter the house to take anything away. The one in the field must not turn back to get a coat. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not be in winter. For in those days there will be suffering, such as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created till now. No, and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom He chose, He has cut short those days. Now we have to recall that these apocalyptic prophecies of Jesus, they're prompted, as I said before, by the disciples asking to know the day or the hour when Jerusalem was going to be destroyed and the temple torn down. And in these verses, Jesus prophesies that destruction in more graphic detail. That's what we've been reading about. Even encouraging His followers living in Jerusalem when the fateful events begin to unfold, to flee the city and not to fight. He's giving them advices on what to do when it happens. And Jesus does not gloss over how bad those days will be, both for those who flee and for those who stay and fight. It will be terrible times, and He doesn't lie to them. For those folks, those would be the worst days they had ever and would ever see. And yet, in the midst of such horror, Jesus promised that God would not let that time of suffering go so long that their faith would be in peril. Perseverance would be possible for them because God was still with them. Because God would not let their time of suffering be so long that their faith could not survive it. I think, I suspect, that same promise applies to your and to my darkest days as well. In the midst of darkness, when we look at it, we think, I cannot survive this. I cannot make it till tomorrow. 
This is too much. And what Jesus is saying is God is still God. It will not be too much. And if it is too much, it will end. We're not here to preserve our lives. We're not here to carve out a pocket of justice and safety for our families. We're not here to bring peace on earth or even peace to our homes. Nor are we promised we will avoid the worst of circumstances in this world. But even so, Jesus' apocalyptic prophecies remind us that we are here, as His apostles were, to proclaim the good news that Jesus is the reality of God's kingdom coming. And we are to profess that with our deeds and with our words, so long as we draw breath. And we are to profess that God is with us, and that God is for our faithfulness. We're here to proclaim and to persevere, and we will never be alone. Never. No matter how dark are we alone. God in His providence is setting boundaries for our perseverance. Do not panic. Proclaim the gospel. Do not panic. Persevere. Do not panic. Trust God's providence. And finally, do not panic. Embrace patience. Look at verse 21. And if anyone says to you at that time, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will appear and produce signs and omens to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be alert. I've already told you everything. During these tumultuous times, and we talked about this in last week's sermon, Jesus revealed to his disciples that instead of staying busy with the work of the kingdom, instead of focusing on being faithful people, of living according to the teachings of Jesus, of forgiving people when they sin against us, of being gracious and hospitable, proclaiming the gospel in deed and in word everywhere we are, instead of staying busy with that, when things get terrible, they would be tempted to chase after people who could rescue them from their time of testing. Miracle workers false messiahs, saviors who promise them peace and security and safety and deliverance. That's, instead of proclaiming the gospel, instead of being faithful to Jesus, they would be tempted to turn their faith to those who would deliver them. And Jesus says to them, I will never come to you in that way. They are false if they promise you deliverance. Some of these folks will even perform miracles, which will seem to validate their claims. Jesus assured His disciples that His deliverance would not come in those ways. Instead, they were to embrace and embody patience and trust in God by faithfully and diligently doing the work of the kingdom no matter what happens in their world. There is no rescue in these verses. There's no retirement. There's only faithfulness. False teachers have us look more to them than to the kingdom. More to their methods, their principles, their promises than to lives of love and faithfulness that embody the example of Jesus and His apostles. And if we are desperate, and if we are afraid, and if we are depressed, we want them to be right. It's essentially preying on our impatience for Jesus to come. And most false teaching is a program to make Him come quicker or to get us out of peril faster. 
And don't be deceived. Most people who are false teachers do not know that they are. At least that's what the history of Israel tells us. We're not here to preserve our lives. We're not here to carve out a pocket of justice and safety for our families. We're not here to preserve or to protect our rights, whatever that means. We're not here to bring peace to the earth. We're not even here to bring peace to our homes. We are not promised we will avoid the worst of circumstances in this world. And we're not promised deliverance or escape when we find ourselves in the darkness. But Jesus' apocalyptic prophecies remind us that we are here, as His apostles were, to proclaim the good news of the coming of the kingdom of God in the person of Jesus with our words and with our deeds so long as we draw breath. Even more, we are also promised that those who continue to proclaim, continue to persevere, continue to trust in God's providence, and continue to wait patiently for Jesus while they busy themselves with the work of the kingdom with every breath and iota of energy they have, that they will be saved. Rescued. Delivered. Set free. We are here to proclaim and to persevere in faithfulness and in patience. Many of us live into this all-too-common human reactive stance that it is our circumstances ultimately that dictate our character. And so when we find ourselves not to be people we like or not to be living out the kingdom priorities and all that kind of stuff, most of us think that we need to make a change somehow in our environment and that will suddenly make us better people. We presume that what it takes to be a better person is better circumstances. The good news of Jesus, if we can truly receive it, is that if we keep our eyes on Jesus, if we keep our hands and our feet busy with kingdom work, then the tumult around us will begin to lose its power over us. And we will find that the world becomes quieter and God becomes louder and peace begins to reign and we can suddenly find ourselves in the space of Paul where he says, I rejoice in my sufferings. That doesn't necessarily mean church work, though it can. It depends on the church. But it always means kingdom work, forgiveness, grace, hospitality, care, love. Always. And we are emboldened, at least we can be, by the promise that this is how the kingdom comes. It doesn't come through elections. It doesn't come through laws. It doesn't come through wars. It doesn't come through weapons. The kingdom of God comes. And peace comes to the earth by the people of God living faithfully and doing the work of the kingdom no matter their circumstances. And by this kind of faithfulness to Jesus, a faithfulness that proclaims the gospel, no matter, no matter the circumstances, in word and in deed, a faithfulness that, that perseveres, no matter how hard it is to keep going, to keep doing, to keep serving, perseveres a kind of faithfulness in Jesus that trusts the providence of God. By that kind of faithfulness, when Jesus did it, 
He destroyed all sin and death. He took down every power that stood against us by being faithful in the worst of times. And before this kind of faithfulness in us, the gates of hell will not be able to stand against the kingdom of God. Don't fall prey to those who would offer you rescue and safety, security and ease. Let's get busy proclaiming the gospel, persevering in our faith, trusting in the providence of God, and patiently waiting for Him to come, never retiring from kingdom work, no matter what we do with secular work.